Thank you for joining us for this message today. If you're new to the church or want to connect in any way, check us out at harborcitychurch.org. We would love to connect with you. Thank you so much. And with that, let's jump into the message. Five essentials uh, from Jesus in crazy times that we started. And uh, how many received lots of candy yesterday? Yeah, I did. I got some candy. and uh, Actually, we did something kind of crazy. We went to the drive-in movie up in Shelton last night to watch Monsters, Inc. And it was so fun and cute. It was just amazing. Anyway, it was fun. I haven't been to uh, probably a drive-in in 40 years, somewhere in there. But anyway, it was very fun to do that. And uh, how many know there's a lot at stake this Tuesday as well? So remember to vote. Uh, I just read yesterday, 25 million Christians do not vote every election. I just want you to know your vote is extremely important, okay? Now, I heard a story the other day about a man who was sitting up at the eating counter in a very dark restaurant. He turned to the lady next to him and said, would you like to hear a blonde joke? And she said, well, before you tell me, you should know that I am blonde and I am six foot tall, and I am a professional bodybuilder. You should also know the lady next to me is six foot two, and she's a professional wrestler. You should also know the lady next to her is six foot five, and the kickboxing champion of the world, and we're all blonde. Do you still want to tell me that blonde joke? He thought for a moment, and then he said, no, not if I'm going to have to explain it three times. <laughs> Now, listen, Lois did not give me permission to share that joke, but I did share it with her, and she did laugh, okay? All right, let's lift up our Bibles, smartphones, iPads, whatever you have your Bible on, and let's make our prayer declaration together. Say this with me. This is my Bible, God's holy word. This book is alive, and it's powerful. I read other books, but this is the only book... That reads me. There are many opinions, but this is the only opinion that counts. Today, I declare by faith, I can do all it says I can do. I can be all it says I can be, and I can have all it says I can have. Today, I ask the Lord Jesus, the living word, to take his written word and personalize it from my life so I can leave here changed by the power of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay, I like that. Good job. Some of you adults need to take some lessons from that guy over there. Okay, today I'm going to give you the last three essentials for crazy times that Jesus gave us uh, and gave his disciples 2,000 years ago. I gave two of them two weeks ago, and Ryan gave you another essential last week about the essential of small groups in crazy times, staying in community. So today I'll give you three more essentials, and uh, you need to know and review, in biblical times it was as crazy as it is now. People were out to kill Jesus, and once they thought he was dead, but had risen back to life, uh, they wanted to kill his followers, and his followers were not aware of how crazy things were going to get. 
So in review, let me just put on here on the screen, the definition of an essential means absolutely necessary, indispensable. Jesus wants you and I to know that in these crazy times, uh, these are things that you absolutely need to have uh, as part of your makeup, as part of your fabric of your life, and you won't make it on this journey if you do not have these things as a part of the fabric of your soul and spirit. So uh, the first week we said this, essential number one was take heed to understand deception in these crazy times. So how do you, how do you fight deception? By knowing the truth, which is the person of Jesus and knowing his word. Secondly, essential two was don't be agitated in these crazy times. In other words, don't let a spirit of anger begin to rule over your emotions in these crazy times. Okay, let's begin today in Matthew 24, beginning in verse 12. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. Now, as a pastor, I want you to know this verse concerns me a lot because I care about you. I care about those of you who are watching online. And I care about those I haven't seen in eight or nine months. And my heart is asking, are you okay? Are you staying hot for God? Are you worshiping the Lord? Are you staying connected by watching online or uh, being part of a small group? Uh, Are you staying in the word? Those are all things, uh, the, the things, the thoughts that go through my mind concerning all of you as some of the sheep of this house. And the reason I ask that is because I know in these crazy times, our love for God Uh, can grow cold and grow cold, and that's a reality for all of us. But the good news comes in verse 13. So verse 13 uh, says this, and because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold, but he who endures to the end shall be saved. So here's your third essential. Endurance to the end is an essential in crazy times. In other words, I know lots of people who start well, but the whole key here is to finish well. No matter what is happening around me, there needs to be an attitude in you, I won't quit. Uh, I I will discipline myself to do the things that I did when I first fell in love with Jesus. I want us to understand there will be people in these crazy times who will stand strong and stay in love with Jesus. Uh, The word endure also means to finish strong with firm conviction. It means to live with a firm and fixed belief in Jesus and his word. And they are not budging, but will stand strong and not be moved from what they know is right. Just because everyone else is doing it doesn't mean you and I have to participate in it. Amen? I know a lot of people who are great starters, but again, I've seen a lot of lousy finishers. And God put his presence in all of us to give us the power to finish strong. It seems all my life I've had to take stands when I knew it wouldn't be popular and it wouldn't be cool. Uh, The first thing that came to my mind, I'm sure it happened before this, but I used to tell everybody about Jesus in grade school and junior high. I'd tell everybody, you need to know Jesus. And I was a Jesus freak, if you want to call it that. But uh, my dad was also famous for giving my brother and I pig shades. 
Does anybody know what a pig shave is? It means your head is smooth as a pig's skin, all right? So uh, my dad would sit us down, but this particular year, uh, my eighth grade year, going into eighth grade, into football season, uh, my dad said, it's time for, time for crew cuts, boys, time for pig shaves. Sat us down and gave me a pig shave. Wayne said, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. I'm too cool for that, Dad. I'm too cool. I'm almost 15 now. I'm not getting my... So here I am with my, my head shaved, and Pinky's got his hair left. So uh, I'm, I'm telling everybody about Jesus. We get on the football bus, going to football practice, and Pinky gets everybody going like this. Say this with me. Fester, Fester, Fester. How many remember Fester and the Adams family? Fester, Fester. And then he started saying, the bald-headed preaching bomber. So I called him yesterday to make sure I have the story right. And he said, oh, no, you had it right. He said, I had a leadership gift to make people do evil things. And I said, that is so true. So the whole bus is shouting all the way. It used to be, it's Harbor High now, from over there all the way over to uh, the football field, shouting, faster, faster, the bald-headed preaching bomber. And they're all pointing at me. I didn't get upset. I was just wondering why he did that. But you had to endure it. And it, it stayed on the whole football season. What? Gave me an opportunity to tell him about Jesus. So I did. In high school, I want you to know Lois had the ability to endure. She uh, was popular had a cheerle- uh, as a cheerleader. But that didn't stop her from telling others about Jesus. She gave her life to Jesus in her sophomore year. And she had this coat with buttons all over it uh, about Jesus. She would, uh, it would say something, God is, uh, had the letters and you didn't know what they meant, but God is not finished with me yet on this button. She had another one on there, let the sun, S-O-N, shine in, and several others. But what it did is she never got bugged by people making fun of her. And it always, it, it drew me to her. Because by then, after junior high and being, you know, chanted about, I became a, an undercover Christian. Does anybody know I'm a Christian, but I'm not going to be telling everybody so much. But then I saw Lois uh, just standing up and enduring uh, at football games. Back then, the song Jesus Christ Superstar, the movies Jesus Christ Superstar. For those who are young, you might want to look that up. But anyway, it was a big song. And they would sing that and point, it, uh, point at her well, she was down there doing cheers for the football team. And what I thought to myself is, this woman's got guts. And it drew me and attracted me to her because she had the ability to endure what others would say against her. <clears throat> Since then, we've been on the front page of the paper as a married couple for taking a stand for our convictions when it wasn't popular. And I'm not going to go into that, but I will say Uh, Some people love you when you're on the front page of the paper. Some people do not like you at all, depending on the stance. So as pastors, I want you to know we've tried our best to live our best with the convictions that God's placed in our lives and in our hearts. And personally, I, I just want you to know I've said a lot of things the wrong way, but never intentionally to hurt someone on purpose. See, I want to be the kind of pastors, and we do, that others can say, I want to follow them like they follow Christ. 
I want you to be able to endure, be able to say, I, I want to endure like pastors Doug and Lois and many others in this church who have endured over the years and attend here and say this, I will not give up, I will endure. Now, <clears throat> one thing I've, I've found is if you endure and not give up and finish strong, then God says this, I can trust you. That's what he says. You need to know this this morning. It is no surprise that God picked you to live in this generation. He didn't pick the disciples. He didn't pick the apostle Paul. He chose you to be here today, which means he's saying, I want to trust you in this generation. You need to know that God believes in you probably more than you believe in yourself, and you're not here by accident. All right, so Jesus tells us essential number one in crazy times is to take heed and not be deceived. He says, don't be troubled. Don't let your spirit of agitation come over your life. And then he says, uh, check, uh, make sure you check your backpack, really, that, that we used to a couple weeks ago. Make sure you, you check it and make sure you're, you have all the equipment you need in there as well. Now, I want to focus a little bit back on verse 12. Verse 12 tells us lawlessness will abound and the love of many will grow cold. The King James says the love of many will wax cold. How many have noticed my candle up here this morning? It's not because it's a great candle. I don't even know if it's dripping out there. Yeah, you, I don't know. Can you focus in on this on one of the, the cameras maybe? Oops. Anyway. It's what it is here. The, the word wax simply means this, to blow cold air on it and to let the wax slowly grow cold. It doesn't mean you grow cold immediately. It means you grow cold over a period of time. It means to wane. Your love for God begins to wane over time. But, but here's what you need to know, and you can write this down. What it's saying to us is there's a danger of Christians falling away. And you need to be aware of this. I know you are, and I know you aren't at times. I know I'm the same way. I've got to work at staying hot for God. I've got to work at keeping my candle lit, which means also, you need to know this, that there's an opportunity of non-Christians getting saved. So how does this coldness take place? Well, you can write this down. Three ways, and there's probably many more, but I'll give them to you this. How does this coldness begin to wane? How does it begin to where, look where your life is like this, where it's just wax that's grown cold on the side of our lives? Here's how it happens. Number one, distraction or distracted. Right now, with COVID-19, the election and writings and all those kind of things, we're faced with more distraction than ever before. Staying in quarantine is not... Uh, really helped a lot of people as well because we're watching consuming things before our eyes and ears that are mostly negative content. You can also write this word down, the word depleted. The word depleted or depletion means to have been emptied out so that there's nothing left. It means you need a refilling. It need, means you need a refueling. And our souls and spirits on a daily basis need to be refilled. And the last one you can write down is discouraged or discouragement. Uh, when you listen to the news and all the negativity, 
about the forecast of the virus, the economy, and of course the election. I've seen many people getting all uh, just upset about those things and depending on whether you're a Democrat or a Republican, it can just get you after a while. But I have to say this, after months of this stuff going on, it was like the Holy Spirit rose up in me and said, enough is enough. Come on, you were made for more than this. It's like an attitude breakthrough, and I'm here to help you get an attitude breakthrough this morning. It was like the Holy Spirit showed me a picture of getting on a little jumper plane. I don't know if any of you have been on a jumper plane before, but I just found out that Steve Polar can fly little jumper planes, but I've been on ones that are six to eight, ten-seaters, and the first thing they tell you is this. It's going to be a little bumpy, so buckle up. And as you get ready to get on that plane and you buckle up and they tell you it's going to be bumpy, sure enough, when you start out, especially if it's rainy at all, you start out and you're going like this and you're jumping all over the place, but all of a sudden there's a breakthrough through the clouds and everything becomes smooth again. A little ding goes off and the voice of the captain comes on and says, you are free to roam about the cabin. And I felt like the Lord said, I want you to know, even though there's a lot of distraction, depletion, and discouragement, I want you to know, I'm going to help you break through the clouds. I'm going to help you come to a smooth area. And I just want you to know, ding, you're free to to roam about the cabin, all right? So take heart, you guys. God wants you to know, no matter what happens out there, God's still great inside here. All right, verse 14. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come. So our fourth essential we need to have is this, a conviction that I must share the gospel with the time I have left with all the nations. That's why it's so important for all of us to not just have a heart for Grace Harbor to come to know Christ, but to have a heart to see the nations come to the Lord. We need to remember our God does his best work in a crisis. And this verse is telling us that we're going to see an increase of the move of God the closer we get to his second coming. And we need to understand this. There'll also be a great falling away of many Christians. In fact, you need to know this, that of the 196 nations on the earth, the gospel is growing three times faster than the population in all but 20 nations. So that means 176 nations, the gospel is expanding quicker than they can birth babies. And by the way, the United States is one of the 20 where the gospel is not expanding. So how many know we need to get to work? Okay, so this gospel will be preached. You also ought ought to know that in the last 40 years, more people have come to Jesus than in the last 1980 years before that. So that's a good news. I mean, the, the gospel is being preached. So the Greek word for gospel is the word euangelion. Now, the word, or the, the U part, the EU part, is where we get the word eulogy, which means I have some good news to share when I go to a memorial or a funeral, uh, which it's not bleak, it's we share all the good things about that person's life. That's the you part. 
The Engelian part is where we get the word angel, which means, and you can write this down. Here's what it means. The gospel means good message from a good messenger, which means it is such a tough word to translate. They don't know if it is the message part or the messenger part. And the truth is, it is both. You and I need to remember, we have a great message. We have the best news on earth. And the truth is, our message is the best thing out there these days. It always has been. But man, there's never been a better time to share the good news than now. We have truth, everybody. We have works. Uh, we have what works in the middle of all this chaos. But the message that works uh, doesn't matter if it doesn't have a messenger to share it. So let's take a moment and talk about what the good message is. And Isaiah, you need to know that he saw you thousands of years ago and prophesied these words in Isaiah 52, 7. How beautiful, it says, on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, who say to Zion, your God reigns. See, These people are full of faith concerning how great their God is in spite of all the negative things that are going on. They know their God still reigns. And what they're saying is, we we will accept the challenge of being the messenger in these days. And Jesus sounded kind of frustrated too when he said these words in Luke 10 too. He said, he told them, the harvest is plentiful but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. That means there are people who would take a meal if you would take and share it with them. There are people who would receive your prayers if you would pray for them. There are people who would come to Jesus if you just took the time to ask them. The harvest is plentiful. I want you to hear that. But Jesus tells us we have a worker problem. We have a worker issue. So he says, if you're going to pray, by the way, I understand praying for the election. I understand praying for our nation. But the greatest prayer you can pray is, Lord, please send harvesters or workers into the harvest. That's the greatest thing you can pray right now. So he says, if you're going to pray, don't pray for for people to want Jesus because they already want him. Pray for God to send harvesters. So let me give you a a few reasons uh, why some Christians think this is so difficult, but I want to show you how easy it is. So some things to do. Here's the first thing we need to do is this. Accept personal responsibility. In other words, it's important for all of us to know you and I are God's plan. And you need to know this. There is no plan B. You are God's plan A. Now, some of you don't like that, but you need to start thinking about when's the last time you shared Jesus with somebody? Now, if the world doesn't hear the good news through us, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen anywhere. Look at Romans 10, 13 through 15 in the New Living. Let's clear my throat. Good job, you guys. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord, will be saved. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? 
<clears throat> that is why the scriptures say, <coughs> I'm struggling a little bit. I don't think Satan wants me to get this out, but we're going to get it out. How beautiful are the feet of messengers who bring good news. Listen, people are ready. People are waiting for the message to come along in their lives. It doesn't mean you have to stand on a street corner, hold up a sign and say you're going to hell <clears throat> if you don't uh, accept Christ. But, but it does mean that you have to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit to where he leads you and brings you opportunity in your life. Um, back in my bread days, you've heard me share this story, and forgive me if it gets old to you, but uh, my bread buddies that I used to deliver bread with as we were downloading the bread truck, uh, most of them didn't know Christ. And so they would make fun of me for being a Christian, and uh, I was working with youth voluntarily at the time, and so as we're loading the truck, uh, some of them would just cuss like crazy just to bug me. So to get to them in a kind way, I said, okay, if you're going to keep using the Lord's name in vain, thank you. If you're going to keep using the Lord's name in vain, if you're going to keep doing that, I'm going to start singing a song. And you know how that goes. (laughs) So I started singing. You can sing it with me. Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me so. Okay, you can stop. Now, the more I sing it, the more I bug them, and they try to, they try to swear louder and get in my face, but I just sing louder. <clears throat> Finally, after about three weeks of this, this guy named Jake came back, and he said, Stop it! Stop it! I'm singing Jesus Loves Me while I'm driving down the road. See, I'm telling you, you, it's just sowing seed. And you take advantage, and we all laughed, and we, you know, kind of said, okay, it, it, you know, it'll, it'll all work out. I'll tell you the rest of that story in a moment. But, uh, and, and I just want you to know that we have got to work on these kind of things, take advantage of the opportunities. Now, the second thing you can write down is develop a personal relationship. So you take personal responsibility, and then... Begin to develop a personal relationship. I didn't start sharing Jesus with all those bread guys first day out there. I got to know them. They got to know me. But this is the part I think many Christians miss because they think they're supposed to share what they know. But here's the truth. People don't care how much you know until what? They know how much you care. So this is where you connect before you correct. Let me say that again. This is where you connect before you correct and what happens to many people, and I've seen this over and over again, that becomes a turnoff to Christianity. They want to debate people from evolution into creation. They want to debate people over being a Democrat versus a Republican. They want to be, debate people over hell versus heaven or being an atheist versus being a believer. And as that happens, I just want you to know, if you follow the Jesus model, you will find he always connected before he corrected He's always, he always gave people grace before he presented them with truth. So it reminds me of the story of Zacchaeus. And uh, Zacchaeus was a wee little man. Uh, does anybody remember that song? Yeah. He, a wee little man was he, climbed up into a sycamore tree, a savior for to see. Okay, only, how many remember that? Raise your hand. 
Okay, the rest of you are young. All right. Anyway, in Luke 19, he tells us the story that Zacchaeus is small in stature, and he's a tax collector who stole money from everybody. Heard Jesus was passing his way. He was so small, short, he couldn't see the crowd, so he climbed up in a tree so he could see Jesus. And uh, everyone knew that, that knew Zacchaeus knew he was a thief, and I'm sure Jesus knew that too. So as Jesus is passing by his tree, you would think the first words that would come out of Jesus' mouth would be, if you would stop stealing from everybody, you could become a godly man. But he doesn't. He says, Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your house today. Zacchaeus, I'm going to be a guest at your place for dinner. And the story tells us that all of the other self-righteous folks looked on with indignation. How could Jesus, doesn't he know who he is? Doesn't he know what, he, what he's about? Now, we don't know what took place in that conversation, but we know this. Zacchaeus came out of changed men, so much so that he started giving back, giving away half of his income to the poor, and he gave back four times all that he's stolen to the people that he stole from. And Jesus said, guess what, Zacchaeus? Salvation has come to your house today. Uh, I, I, I think that's amazing. And here's what Paul said to do, 1 Corinthians 9, 22. In the Living Bible, it says, whatever a person is like, I try to find common ground with him so that he will let me tell him about Christ and let Christ save him. I like this quote from John Maxwell. It says this, I don't have to be like them to reach them, but I do have to like them. So you know what we need to pray? God, help me love people. Help me not just love the ones that I like or that are like me, but help me to love the ones that you put into my life. So accept responsibility, develop a personal relationship. Here's the third thing. By the way, these didn't come from me. These come from Rick Warren. I learned these 30 years ago, all right? Share my personal story. This is where most people miss evangelism because we think it is uh, pointing out uh, what they need to change or how they need to talk differently and all those kind of things. I remember leading this, this old, older man when I was younger in my 30s. He was about 80. I'll never forget leading him to the Lord. And I asked him if he would, he was in a wheelchair, and I said, would you share your testimony in front of the church? And he said, Pastor Doug, if I do, I'll probably cuss. And I said, well, good, that'll be good for our church. (laughs) And sure enough, he did. He got up there and said, oh, hell, something. And and, uh, everybody, (gasps) and I went, way to go. You know, it's it's all good. You know, you just, how many know you got to learn your vocabulary over again when you get saved? It doesn't always happen. Some of you still need to work on that, by the way. But that's what God says. So here's what uh, Peter tells us in 1 Peter 3. He says, but in your hearts, Revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope you have. And here's how you do it. Uh, You do it with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. In other words, don't give them a reason to talk negative about you but share the good news. Okay, I'm going to uh, try to wrap this up as best I can. What's the next point I have up there? I think there's a, yeah, 
give a personal invitation, all right? So as you do, uh, I, I want to say this, that for many of, of my friends that I've been around, um, I have gotten to ask them, to, do you want to know Christ? But sometimes I'll say, look, you're not ready today, but you know when you are, I'd sure like to be the one you'd call. I'd like to be the one to pray with you. You don't have to push it on anybody. Just wait for them to be ready at the right time. And so I, I just want to tell you guys today, uh, we can be the kind of people that can give a personal invitation without being a threat to anyone. We can proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. And lastly, let me give you this third essential. In Luke 21, 25 through 28, it says this. Therefore, or there will be signs in the sun, moon, and stars on the earth. Nations will be in anguish and perplexity at the roaring and tossing of the sea. People will faint from terror, apprehensive of what is coming on the world, for the heavenly bodies will be shaken. At that time, they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. When these things begin to take place, stand up and lift up your heads because your redemption is drawing nigh. The third essential you need to do, have in your life is be ready to stand up and look up. Always keep your eyes where they need to be. I want to tell you about Jake's final days. So 20 years pass, I share uh, Jesus with, with Jake. I'm now a pastor. He still can't get that song out of his mind. And on his deathbed, as he's dying from cancer, this just happened a few years ago, his kids came to me and said, do you know what dad did while he was lying on his deathbed? He was sitting there. He had his hands like this lying down. He said, Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me so. And he turned to his kids and said, Doug Cotton taught me that. (laughs) And here's what I want you to hear. A seed sown never goes to waste when the Holy Spirit waters it. You just need to know God wants to use you. Let's stand and let's worship. Thank you for joining us today. We have a lot of great resources for you over at harborcitychurch.org. Come check us out, and I hope you have an awesome week.